Podcast. I'm Kaylee Barber, media editor at Digiday. And I'm Tim Peterson, senior media editor at Digiday. All right. So Tim, this is episode two of our four-part creator series. And again, this is the third year that we're doing this, but this year we decided to lean a little bit heavier on the short form vertical video format, which a lot of platforms are embracing. But because we're doing that, we added Snapchat into the fold this year. So you had this week's episode with Alyssa McKay, who is a creator on Snapchat. And I'm curious to hear uh, what stood out about this conversation. I think Snapchat is an interesting platform, not one that I personally use anymore, but there still seems to be a good opportunity for creators there. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is uh, I think we're titling this episode like how Alyssa McKay made, you know, a million dollars from Snapchat mid-roll ads. And so that was the thing that stood out the most to me is she says since um, last May, she's made a million dollars just from mid-roll ads on her Snapchat stories, which I mean, a million dollars, million dollars is a big number regardless. Um, But like, just thinking through there aren't like YouTube creators with like big YouTube channels who make a million dollars a year from, you know, pre-roll and mid-roll ads on their videos. Like, I mean, it, it depends on what category you're in. Alyssa, I think would be categorized as like, you know, more of a lifestyle creator. She does like skits, but she also does, you know, day in the life content. Um, and those creators can have a hard time on YouTube, like getting, you know, high CPMs um, to, you know, make a million dollars in a year just from AdSense. Usually it's like brand deals that they're relying on. So the fact that Alyssa um, made a million dollars from Snapchat mid-roll ads in the past year, um, especially given that revenue sharing programs for short form vertical video are still all really nascent. I mean, TikTok just announced their program about a year ago. YouTube Shorts just rolled out its ad revenue sharing program in February. And Snapchat, I mean, had been, Alyssa was part of the beta for Snapchat's uh, mid-roll ad revenue sharing program for stories. And they just announced the like broader rollout of it last week. Um, So, but despite how nascent this rev share opportunity is she's made a bunch of money. Now caveat all that with, she also makes a lot of stories um, and gets a lot of views. Like she gets 2.5 billion views each month for her stories. And she's posting a hundred to 200 stories a day. So there's also a lot of opportunity for revenue, but still, I mean, just because you're, um, Posting a lot of stories, getting a lot of views doesn't mean you'll be making a lot of money, but she is. Wow. Okay. Well, I am very eager to hear about this uh, this conversation. Like I said, Snapchat's not one of the main platforms I use, so it's kind of a mystery to me, but it really does sound like Snapchat's coming for the other platforms, short form vertical video creators. So I'll let you guys get into it. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Kayla. Listen, McKay, welcome to the Digital Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. So... This is part of our creator series, which we do every year around this time. And this time, Kaylee Barber, my co-host, and I decided, oh, we should do this on the short form video space because so much going on there, so many creators in that space. And also given like everything that's been going on with TikTok and with YouTube Shorts and Instagram Reels and Snapchat, of course, um, it just feels like a really good time to be talking to creators in this space. Alyssa, you've been in the creator space for a long time. Like you launched your YouTube channel when you were 12. Yeah, I believe so. I think that that channel's been around for for a long time. 
And so, so like that's obviously predates all the short form video stuff. When did you start messing around with short form video? Back when I, it was in 2018, right? Like in December, 2018. So cusp of 2019, um, I was 18 years old. I was senior in high school. What was kind of, what was the first platform you started using and like, what were you kind of trying out then? Yeah. So for, for short form, um, I started on Musical.ly and it was kind of right before Musical.ly transitioned over into, into TikTok. And the reason I I started posting on there was because I was a theater kid in high school. And when I wasn't like in a production, I was like, I have all this creativity pent up inside of me and I needed to like get it out somehow. And I, I discovered Musical.ly and I, I, I saw that people were like lip syncing to, um, to like scenes from movies and TV shows. And so that's uh, kind of what I started doing. My, my first viral video was me lip syncing to a scene from Mean Girls. Got it. When did you start using Snapchat? I started using Snapchat, um, I think in, I want to say 2021. So fairly yeah. recent. Yeah. I mean, I used it all throughout, like when I was in middle school and in high school, but that was like more, more personal, but I started a public profile and, and using it, um, to create content in 2021. Got it. What was the impetus there? What, what got you to be like, Oh, I should start you know, creating content, creating videos for Snapchat. Um, well, the real answer was my, my management was like, Hey, like, um, did you know that you can like, make a public profile and, and post publicly on Snapchat because I think at the time I always thought of it just kind of as a as an app to communicate with uh with my friends and and things like that. And I I actually didn't know that you could like make a, a public profile and um it was actually perfect because I talk a lot. And <laughs> so that's kind of where I where I just started pouring all of all of that content out because obviously on like the other platforms like TikTok and YouTube Shorts and stuff like the content's a bit more scripted and, and curated whereas Snapchat it, it's the exact opposite. Got it. So like what you know typically were you especially when you started posting on Snapchat what kind of things were you posting there? Um, my internal dialogue, um, <laughs> just kind of like everything that I do and see and think about from the time I wake up till the time I go to bed, literally. So it was more like music, like basically you're just doing Snapchat stories as opposed to like scripted video shows, that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, kind of like, you know, like imagine like you're, you're like snapping your best friend, like sending a video to your best friend. It's like, I'm doing that, but putting it out publicly. Got it. And has that continued to be the case? Yes, 100%. Okay. And then, but then like you've stayed on TikTok, you have, so you have more than 10 million followers on TikTok at this point, more than a million YouTube subscribers, more than 750,000 Instagram followers, and more than 2 million subscribers on Snapchat. So you're on all of the like major short form vertical video platforms how do you kind of manage that all? Because they all seem like they can be like fairly demanding in terms of like creators feeling like, oh, I got to be creating videos for all these platforms all the time. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of instances where where content can definitely be repurposed. Um, and I think that that could be very helpful. But for me, I really, I think that each platform kind of, I mean, they all have different algorithms and, and different things work on different platforms. So what may get a million views on TikTok may not be what gets a million views on YouTube shorts. And so for the last few years, as I've kind of, um, you know, as I've made this my full-time job and I've really dived deep into the data, um, I've, I've learned 
what does well and what works with my different audiences on, on different platforms. And I, and I cater to that, but again, you know, it is work, but it is, it is my job. So, um, and, and I'm passionate about it. So it doesn't, it doesn't feel like work a lot of the time. Got it. Are there any like primary differences you see in terms of like what you need to do for a video on that you'll put onto Snapchat versus a video you'll put up as a TikTok or a YouTube short or an Instagram reel? Yeah, well, I mean, the the biggest difference I feel um, with with Snapchat versus any other short form video platform is is the authenticity factor. Um, with Snapchat, I don't think too much about about what I'm putting out there. It's very much like I set my phone up and it's one take and it's posted. Even if I like fumble over my words or, it, you know, what I'm saying doesn't come out right. I'll just make another video re-explaining what I meant. Like, um, I really like And uh, not to mention Snapchat is also in real time, whereas um, all the other platforms, it's scripted and I put more time and thought and I don't want to say effort because, you know, but it does take more time. Um, and it's it's uh, more for entertainment value. Whereas Snapchat people just want to see what I'm doing throughout the day. How many snaps are you posting a day? Um, 100 to 200 a day or more. Yeah. <laughs> I talk and a so lot. Is that, I mean, is that, are you doing it like f- kind of from when you get up to when you go to bed? Like you, there's just always an opportunity to post a snap. Yeah. So, so most mornings, my Snapchat story starts out with me literally bedhead, like insane looking. Um, I like show my dogs, my dog like sleeps under the blanket. So I'll like lift the blanket up and I'm like, good morning, Ayla. Like, um, it's, it's very much from like the second I open my eyes until I, I go to sleep. Got it. And are they all like, I think, you know, historically Snapchat's been like 15 seconds is kind of like the you know general length a lot of the times are they is that usually how you're keeping it I uh no I I will set up my phone and just because it allows you to uh, to do a video for a minute before it like automatically stops and you have to start a new snapchat um a lot of the times I use up that full minute to talk (laughs) but I also post like pictures and stuff throughout the day as well um which is fun and is like Snapchat, the only platform where you're doing that kind of post, because you can do that kind of thing as an Instagram. I mean, it feels like even TikTok has stories at, at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say Snapchat really is the the place where I keep it the most authentic. Uh, I feel as though like, uh, authenticity is really important now on all platforms, but you know, on like TikTok and stuff, it's still a lot of lip syncing, a lot of, um, trend following going on just in general. Um, so I think most of the time I, I keep that content on Snapchat. Sometimes I'll repurpose my Snapchat onto my Instagram story if something like really funny happened. Um, but I keep it on Snapchat mostly. Got it. hundred to 200 snaps a day that just that's a wild number to me like how do you get into kind of the mindset of you know kind of always be thinking about like well it feels like in order to do 200 to 200 a day you kind of always have to be thinking in the back of your head like oh could this be a snap or like whatever thought crosses your mind like could that be a snap how did you get to that point assuming that like that's kind of where your head's at. I feel like I didn't even really need to like train myself. For me personally, it comes very naturally just to want to post like everything I'm doing at all times, which sounds crazy. I also am um, 
I have a very small circle of friends. I have maybe like three friends total. <laughs> um, and I, I, I kind of, I talk to my, my Snapchat people, like, like they're my best friends and it like, they're they're Like I, I actually, I want to share everything with them at, at all times. And it feels weird to not Snapchat something. So it's, it's, it's never like in the back of my mind, like, Oh, I could be Snapchatting this. Like, I don't have to think about it. It's just, it just, it just comes very naturally to me. Am I right? I read somewhere you get like 2.5 billion average views per month on Snapchat. Yeah, there's, yeah, I do. Jeez. I imagine that wasn't the case from like when you first started using Snapchat in 2021. When did you, you notice like you were starting to get a really ridiculous number of views on Snapchat? Probably, I want to say like spring of 2022 was really when like, people, uh, started being so involved in, in like my life. And it's not so much like, I, I, I find what's more crazy is the fact that so many people watch my, my story every single day, but then they remember everything. Like I leave nothing off the table when it comes to Snapchat. Like one time I got drunk and I was like, guys, should I eat dog food just to see what it tastes like? And I ate dog food on my Snapchat just to like try it. And to this day, and that was like a year and a half ago to this day, I get people being like, do you remember when you got drunk and ate dog kibble? And that's not like no one screen recorded and reposted it anywhere. Like these are people that just like remember it. Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's really cool. There, people are very invested. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I mean, speaking of people being invested, like I would imagine Snap, if they're not invested, like should be invested somehow because given how many views you're generating on their platform for their platform, what's been your relationship with uh, Snap? Um, me and my management team, um, the Bryans at the Network Effect, we have a very close relationship with everyone on at Snapchat um they're all very supportive and they took notice of what I was doing on the platform cuz it's very different from what a lot of other creators were doing i think um cuz i kind of use the platform as like my version of behind the scenes of what i do all the time um and uh the the Snapchat team just just really loved that and i i spoke at the the Snapchat uh, Beauty Summit in New York a few months ago. I'm speaking at another one of their summits in LA um, next month. And so we have a very good relationship and they love what I do, which has been really, really cool. Like Snap's been, it's an interesting one of the platforms because it was, you know, Vine aside, kind of the original short form vertical video platform, but then TikTok came along and then Instagram and YouTube copied TikTok and Snap's still part of the mix, but it's been um, kind of interesting to like figure out like where Snapchat falls in the mix for creators, especially because like Snap has, you know, revenue sharing programs. Like they have the Snap Stars program, they have Spotlight, um, they've had these, you know, things that some of these other platforms are just starting to have. How important or how much money are you making on Snapchat? Um, on the Snapchat mid-roll program, which I've, I've been a part of it since I want to say last May, I've made over a million dollars from, from Snapchat mid-roll, but I started doing it before I ever made any money. I didn't make money on it at all for like an entire year before I, I, uh, before I started making money on it. Right. But and so a million dollars in less than a year through like the mid-rolls on Snap. Yeah. It, well, Snapchat I changed my life entirely. <laughs> I'd say so. I mean, it's that 
is that far and away more than you're making on any other platform? Or are you like, well, no, actually YouTube, I'm getting $20 million. So. <laughs> Uh, no, I definitely, I make the most on, on Snapchat. I still, you know, I, I, there's uh, revenue streams, of course, from, you know, YouTube and, um, the AdSense and, you know, the TikTok creator fund and stuff, but, uh, Snapchat definitely has been the, the lion's share of my revenue this past year. Wow. That's, I mean, that's really, especially because, I mean, that's just off mid rolls. Cause I know like when I talk to, you know, traditional YouTube creators, for example, as much as they may be getting money through AdSense, usually that's like even a minority of, you know, the money that they make compared to like brand deals. So for you to be getting that, that much money just off mid-rolls on Snapchat is kind of, I mean, it, it's kind of like taking me aback a bit. Well, an- another like really cool thing is that we've kind of, because not a lot of brands have really thought about Snapchat as like a, a platform for for advertising, and um, because I have such a strong relationship with with my followers on Snapchat because of the authenticity, I we've been able to create these long term partnerships with brands that I've already loved and already you know shared with my audience before you know um, the relationship and uh, bringing those brands over to Snapchat and. And, and kind of introducing them to that entire world. Because I think it's a totally different way of advertising. You know, when you're like on TikTok and you see an ad, you just kind of tend to scroll. But on Snapchat, there is, I, I feel it removes a, a layer of, of distance between you and your followers. And they feel like they do really know you. And I, I feel like my fans do know me to the, the, the greatest extent that they, they can. So, right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it sounds like they're spending a lot of time, you know, <laughs> seeing your your day in day out. With when it comes to brands and that conversation with brands, like, what are those conversations like? Like, what are the questions they often have? What's the type of work that you're doing with brands, and the type of work that you do with brands that you find, you know, what does work, what doesn't work? Yeah, so um, those conversations usually happen between the the brand and my and my managers, but you know, we we all have this kind of general understanding. And whenever I am on the call with the brands, I, I always press no matter who it is, whether, you know, they want to do Snapchat or they just want a TikTok video. We always push for authenticity. Um, and you know, if it's a product I've never tried before, I'm like, send it to me first. Let me try it. Let me see. Because it, it's so easy to just, to, to push products on people. And yeah, you know, you, maybe you could generate some, some, some sales, but at the end of the day, like the greatest conversion is going to come if the creator truly loves the product and, um, and they just, they just do it naturally. I, I personally, I don't like when, when brands give me a script and say, we want you to read this script. We want you to hit all of these points. I, I think it's, it's important just to to naturally integrate the products into your life. And a lot of the times when I do work with a brand, it's like me introducing a certain product into my skincare routine on my Snapchat story and saying, here's the link. If you guys want to try this out, I love it, you know, versus a whole advertising type video. To what extent do you find that like brands want to do stuff with you, like specifically for Snapchat as opposed to you know, a brand saying, hey, Lisa, let's, you know, do something and then, you know, have it run across Snapchat and TikTok and Instagram and YouTube or a mix. Yeah, um, it's very 50-50. I think that um, right now, you know, Snapchat is uh, having these summits and inviting advertisers to to show them the beauty of Snapchat and why it's such a great place to advertise. Um, and I'm just one creator. And uh, I think that 
now there's there's a lot more creators starting to join the platform and kind of posting in the way that I do. Um, and I think once that happens and becomes more popular, there's going to be a lot more brands running to creators on Snapchat. Um, but right now, it, it has been a little difficult to kind of convert them over to, to uh, wanting to advertise with me on Snapchat. Um, but I, I, we have been able to do that with a few uh, long-term partnerships that we have. But they also, some of them will have me um, also create content for like Instagram stories um, or like maybe make a TikTok video every month in addition to X amount of panels on, on Snapchat. Um, I don't know if I answered the <laughs> if I no, answered no, your you question. D- you did. Yeah, no, because <laughs> that's interesting that like that would be their approach, especially again, 2.5 billion views per month on Snapchat. It's just, I mean, yeah. that's a lot of views. And so if brands can get in there, it seems like they would, that's a lot of exposure for the brands. I think the big thing that they get worried about is the fact that it's temporary. You know, when you post a TikTok video, that's on your page forever or until, you know, you, you're legally allowed contractually to take it down or whatever. But Snapchat, it does disappear in 24 hours unless you save it to your profile because you could save uh, stories to your profile. And I, I think that scares them a little bit. But that's why the long-term partnership works. Because, you know, if I'm consistently talking about this product every month that I love, then it's on on everyone's mind a lot more. All right. And mm-hmm. I saw on your Snapchat profile, like you do save some of your stories for like people to be able to watch after the fact. Do you see like a lot of viewership for those videos? So I, I actually don't have access to the to the data on those. Um, but I do know that I think uh, they're planning on uh, putting mid-roll onto those stories as well. And they actually push them. So if you go through like your Discover feed on, on Snapchat, you'll see like creator stories in real time. You'll see um, stories from like brands and then you'll see people's saved stories. So regardless of like the monetization, they still uh, push those some of those saved uh, stories to people's discover feeds. And that's just another way to, to get more exposure and subscribers. Got it. And then Snapchat, like obviously stories, I think it's probably the product like most people are most familiar with, but they have like shows also that people can do that, you know, kind of resemble more closely like what people do on TikTok or, you know, YouTube videos where it's more serialized stuff. Have you dabbled with like doing shows? So like more, evergreen or things that like aren't as ephemeral on snapchat like that um we've talked about it in the past i think for me i want my snapchat to stay as authentic as possible and i think the best way to to keep that relationship with um with my followers on there is to keep everything the way that I do it now. I think that if I were to like include a camera crew and to start to like, you know, kind of make it a little bit more commercialized in a sense, it might um, take away from, from that, from that relationship. And I, and I value it so much. Um, it's really important to me and important to the people who follow me. So as of right now, um, we're not thinking about that. I also do post to spotlight though, too. I know you mentioned that. So I do post content to spotlight as well as my stories. I'm glad you brought that up. Like, what's the spotlight strategy? How does that compare and contrast with what you're doing through stories on Snapchat, but then also what you're doing on 
TikTok, YouTube Shorts, Instagram Reels. Yeah, so Spotlight, I actually will put up some of my my short form content that's more scripted and more thought out and the stuff, you know, that I put on TikTok or YouTube Shorts, I'll repurpose that onto Spotlight. But also when I'm just filming in my day-to-day life, like, you know, if something that I feel uh, notable happens or like more funny or more exciting than me being like, this is what I ate for breakfast today, I'll, I'll throw that up on on Spotlight as well. We're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor, and we'll be right back. So, listen, Snap's been testing like this mid-roll ad program, the you know the Snap Stars you know program for I think the past year. I mean, obviously, you've gotten a lot of money through the program, and is now opening it up at the same time as TikTok and YouTube Shorts have also opened up RevShare programs. What do you see as the significance of all these rev share programs for short form video opening up like kind of, you know, all within the past year? I mean, I think it's important, obviously, for creators who who make this their their full time job. And um, I think that relying on, on brand deals can be very dangerous um, and not very reliable. So I, I think that being able to. Um, accrue a steady a steady flow of of income just from the content that you're already creating for these platforms especially if you make content specific for each platform which i think all creators should should make an attempt to do in addition to you know repurposing if you can um i think that just supporting creators and allowing them to to make a living off of their content is is important and is it something where you to any degree have to like be thinking through like, oh, there could be an ad or an ad break here. Like I need to kind of prepare, you know, people for that, or I need to take that into account depending on like where the ad may get slotted. So on Snapchat specifically, I don't think about that. Uh, my managers and I have kind of boiled everything down to a science because we are very interested in like the data of it all. Um, and what we've discovered so far is that on Snapchat, at least for us, there's an ad every nine panels. Um, so, I mean, I don't really think about it too much. But it's like, I mean, you can tap through them. They're like not non-skippable ads. I think that if non-skippable ads were to be introduced to Snapchat, I would definitely take it into consideration, um, obviously for the viewer's sake. Um, but yeah, I don't really think too much about that. And then I know on like YouTube and stuff, that's, you know, the ads at the beginning or the end. So you don't have to think too much about that. Got it. Okay. And yeah. like as a full-time creator, obviously this is your livelihood and, you know, creators are you know tend to be like pretty vocal and and forthcoming with what they look to platforms for what they need from platforms and you and i you know met at vidcon you know last year and you know i know snap like tiktok obviously had a huge presence at vidcon last year but snap was also one of the platforms i was pretty active in setting up a lot of meetings with creators what have been the the conversations between creators and snap since last summer, what's the the feedback that you and kind of your peers have been given to Snap? I mean, honestly, there's not a lot to like, I guess I don't have too much feedback when it comes to Snapchat because the app is just so easy already, <laughs> if that makes sense. And also I have such like a good direct relationship with Snapchat that if, you know, if like, Usually if I ever have any issues, it's like something with my account is glitching and it's like a fluke versus like, 
oh, I really wish that we could do this. However, like, the, you know, there are instances where, like, for example, I, I'm doing this scripted podcast show, The Royals of Malibu, and um, the Snapchat engineers made me a filter for The Royals of Malibu. And we were able to kind of talk through that. And um, and that's been like a great tool. And I think that, you know, creators um, having the ability to go to Snapchat and say, hey, I'm doing this. Or when I went to Europe, I did a, a Europe trip. And for every city that I, I went to, they did a filter for me. So it was like Alyssa in London. And it was like the skyline of, of London. And they did that for every place that I went because they knew that I was going to be documenting my entire experience on Snapchat. So I think the the amazing thing about Snapchat is that um, they really encourage the creators to be using their platform because you know what I mean? Like I can't go to another platform and say, Hey, I'm going to Europe and I want to post TikTok videos about it. Can you do something for me regarding that? Like that's not normal, but on Snapchat, I I feel it is. I think that that's more accessible to a lot more creators versus like the top 1% on, you know, which is more normal for other platforms, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, and also for them to be creating a filter for the Royals of Malibu, like for them to be doing something to promote something, that you're doing outside of Snapchat, that feels rare <laughs> among the platforms. Like usually they just want creators to be doing things on their specific platforms and whatever creators do outside of their platforms. Like, well, that's nice for you, but that's not helping us like keep people on our platform. Well, I, I, I truly feel that um, the, uh, the people that I work with at Snapchat, they, they actually, they, they care about creators um, and they care about them being happy and, and, and all of their endeavors, you know, especially like when I was recording the show, I was recording behind the scenes on my Snapchat story, um, which obviously they didn't ask me to do that. It was just something that I was going to do anyway. Um, I, I just think that um, there's a level of support and, and care for, for their creators that you don't usually see elsewhere. Got it. And how does that compare with what your experience has been with TikTok, with YouTube, with Instagram? Yeah, we have an amazing um, relationship with YouTube as well. They're phenomenal. They, they're always so helpful, so kind whenever there's any issues. Um, we've always been taken care of there. TikTok, um, we just now, you know, I've been on the platform for a very long time. We just now started, um, yeah, being connected to people that can help us with certain things. Um, but notoriously, you know, um, I think that the customers or not customer, but like creator support on, on TikTok and Instagram has been, um, a little out of reach um, a lot of the times, unless, like I said, you know, you're like Charlie D'Amelio and like, you know, the most followed <laughs> person on the app or something. Um, but I think they, I think that line, all the, yeah. yeah, I think, I think that all of the platforms are really um, um, trying to be there more for creators because creators have been speaking up about that. But I think that Snapchat and YouTube both set the example. They set the bar very high for sure. Got it. Okay. And what about Instagram? Yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, I think that says it all. Yeah, I just kind of post my little pictures on there and move on. Yeah, Instagram. I mean, Meta in general has had a yeah. hard go of it, and you know, uh, they kind of brought that on themselves in some respects. Um, <laughs> I mean, they haven't. They're the one of the four that we were talking about. They haven't rolled out a rough share program yet for reals. No. Um, and the money's definitely there with, you know, fa meta, basically, you know, Facebook and Instagram merging. The money's there. I, you know, um, I think that also, too, it's just like hard to, you know, they, they sent out like a newsletter that was like, these are all the things you need to be posting in order for us to push you. And it's like 3x 
what all the other platforms want from their creators to like, you know, be considered active. And, you know, it's what are they asking for? I saw something like my numbers are probably inaccurate, but it was something like, um, which for me, this isn't a lot because I kind of post that anyway, but it's like 11 stories a day plus like an in-feed photo, an in-feed video in addition to a reel, you know, I was just kind of like, what? Um, and also not to mention the fact that like Instagram's one of those platforms where it's like, at least for me, every time I post anything, I'm losing followers and then oh, I'm no not way. getting like, yeah. And then I'm not getting pushed onto the discover no matter like if I'm following their hashtags or following their posting guidelines, it just kind of feels like a dead end almost. Um, so it's almost better to, for me personally to not post on there. <laughs> 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 Which isn't what you want as a as right. a creator or a platform or you yeah. know someone who's a follower of yours on Instagram, I would think. Yeah, well, if, if it was like if the situation was like, oh, if you post a reel a day, you're guaranteed to, you know, even if you lose some, you're gaining some too. If that was mm-hmm. the case, I'd be I'd be so down. It's not even about like monetization, but I'm like, I don't want to see my followers go down every time I post. Right. <laughs> so yeah. Jeez, when did you start noticing that that like? posting to Instagram had a negative effect on your followers? Ever since like last year. I think it's like a very common thing too. Um, Or like, I feel like everything about Instagram is kind of clickbaity in a way. It's kind of like where people will like, you know, make their captions a question to get a bunch of comments and then they change their captions, which seems like they got a bunch of comments. Like, but I feel like in reality, I feel like if you are active and you are using the platform in the way that the platform is intending for creators to use it, you should be rewarded in a sense of, um, just, you know, exposure, I feel, but it's, it's very difficult on Instagram. Um, and the most random things for me go, go viral on there. Or like I, I had a real recently that like has like 2 million views and like every single day people are sharing it, it as like 20, 30,000 shares. And I've, I lost followers from that video. Like the, I'm in the red from posting that, but I, I left it up because just, you know, the engagement on it itself is fine. But, um, yeah, I also think people are very picky about who they follow on Instagram. Like there's that whole, uh, kind of, um, I don't want to say community, but it's like the way people view their following list on Instagram is very selective and curated. Like everything about Instagram is curated versus the other platforms, not so much. Got it. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. And then I guess like a flip side, you know, of that could be, we've obviously talked for good reason a lot about Snapchat, but like YouTube shorts is, has been seen as like, if you want to grow subscribers on YouTube, YouTube shorts, is kind of like a cheat code for that. And then like, TikTok, you know, people just have, you know, crazy, I mean, you have 10 million, more than 10 million, you know, TikTok followers where like the TikTok, it, it seems like it's through YouTube shorts and through TikTok can be a lot easier to grow your following. Is Has that yeah. been your experience? Yeah. So with, well, with YouTube, something actually, which ties in my entire thing is I am saying, I've been saying authenticity and relatability, they're hand in hand, and that is the key to success on any platform. And I also feel that um, for someone to be fully authentic online is very difficult. And um, I noticed that, of course, posting YouTube shorts uh, boosted my my um, my subscriber number. But in addition to that, because um, my shorts isn't my authentic self. It's the, you know, scripted videos. It's um, the trendy videos. It's things like that. But I've been, actually, I bought a PS5 and I started playing the Last of Us video game because I oh, love yeah. the show. It's like my favorite show of all time. So I was like, I'm going to buy the video game. 
So I start playing and then I'm like, can I stream this on YouTube? So then I, I, I set the whole thing up and I've been streaming like for three, four hours a day, pretty much me playing the video game and just like reacting to it. I'm screaming and stuff because I'm a girl and I'm playing a video game and it's scary. <laughs> um, and I've gotten so many subscribers from going live and streaming like video games on, on YouTube. But, but I think uh, like a lot of my YouTube subscribers don't really know me and feel like they know me. They just like my videos. So I think that kind of incorporating the live streaming too um, and then getting to kind of get a glimpse into who I am has has helped a lot with with my subscriber number as well. And is that something where you have to be thinking about, like um, I feel like Colin and Samir on their podcast and they've been on you know this podcast before but one thing that they've you know talked about is you know people with youtube shorts or kind of with like any content like whether that gives the audience the potential subscribers enough of a feel of like what to expect and like it's kind of that whole like creator idea of like niching down um as opposed to like going so broad like but for you because it feels like your niche is is really like Alyssa McKay as opposed to like gaming or like some other, you know, category. Do you find though that like you have to be taking into account like, okay, if people are coming across, you know, my stuff because of these last of us streams, are they going to think I'm a a gamer? Like, you know, it's a gaming channel. Are they going to be okay with like the rich girl videos or anything else that I might do here? Um, So when I started streaming, I did not think about that. And then I started reading the comments as I was streaming and people were like, you're like (laughs) like telling me I'm a bad streamer because sometimes if I'm fighting a zombie, like I can't look at the chat and talk at the same time because I'm not a gamer. (laughs) So now, now when I like, when I do things like that, where I, I feel like I might be pigeonholed or someone that doesn't really know me might consider me, oh, as a gamer or whatever, I'm the entire time I'm commentating and just talking about whatever. And I always start my streams off and I kind of like reiterate throughout the stream, like, I'm not a gamer, you guys. I or like when people are like, you're so good at the game. I'm like, I'm on the easiest level, guys. Like, I do not game um, at all. And I mean, I I feel like there's really no way to avoid it. If someone like new sees you doing something for and it's like the first time they ever hear of my name or see my face is me playing a video game. Yeah, of course, they're probably going to like, uh, you know, attribute me to streaming. But I think that um, you're your your profile just kind of speaks for itself. And like you said, I am in a more unique position where I feel like, I felt like when I when I first started doing social media and, and the rich girl was kind of my MO and that's what I was known for, there was this expectation that every video was a rich girl video. And it did actually take some time to step away from that. Because um, even now I get a lot of comments being like, I thought you were mean. Like, you know, kids that maybe don't understand that it's, a, it's acting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, it's taken some time, but I think that that now, since my niche just kind of is me being myself doing different things, um, it's been a little easier for for people to kind of grasp onto that fairly quickly. Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. And I imagine like that also helps in terms of having all these different platforms that you're juggling. Yeah, totally. Speaking of platforms, creators are juggling TikTok. So like right now, as we're talking TikTok has not been banned by the time this episode goes out. I have no idea what's going <laughs> to come of that. But like, obviously, it's something that a lot of creators are thinking about, especially, you know, if TikTok is kind of the most important part of their business. You have the benefit of like, 
you're doing very well on Snapchat as we've already covered, but TikTok is a big plot. Like you have a big audience there. To what extent are you like feeling a need to prepare for the potential for TikTok to be banned? Um, I, I'm very grateful that I have such a, an amazing management team because since the dawn of our relationship, they've been uh, drilling the word diversify into my head. Um, and so ever since we started working together, I've always been working on growing my following elsewhere. And I think that also kind of stemmed from a, a personal need of, uh, which is more egotistical of not wanting to be looked at as a TikToker. You know, I just didn't want that. I was very much like, I'm a content creator and I'm an actor. Those are, those are my things. And, um, so I, I never considered myself a, a TikToker. And because of that, I've, I've always been working to grow my platforms for years, uh, everywhere else, just in case, because even before there were talks of, of bands and stuff, you know, I, I think diversification is the number one most important thing that any creator could be doing, especially now. Um, with the potential ban of TikTok, a lot of people are going to lose their jobs and their incomes and, and stuff if that does happen, which is a very scary thought. So, right. yeah. And I imagine that's, that diversification is something you even have to be keeping in mind, like when it comes to Snapchat, like as successful as you've been on Snapchat, as helpful as it sounds like in support of Snapchat has been of you, it's still a company. It's still a platform where anything could change overnight. And so is that something where you also have to be thinking of diversification, like even when it comes to a platform like Snapchat and your success there? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of always, you know, I mean, I also, with my background, I'm, I was a foster kid and I grew up with, with no money. I grew up homeless the majority of, of my life. And so the way that I, I've saved the majority of every dollar that I've made from Snapchat oh, you know, I, I have um, investments and all these things. Like I'm, I save everything. And I, um, just because just in case I, I, I've always viewed social media as one of those things where it's like anything could be taken away in an instant. Um, and so I feel like I don't necessarily worry too much just because I save so much and I um, live within my means. Um, I don't, I'm not, I don't have a Lamborghini. I have a Bronco though. That was my, oh, my nice. birthday present to myself, but I don't have a Lamborghini, you know? So I don't know. I'm just very, I'm very frugal, I would say. Um, and, uh, I do get extreme money anxiety because of my background. So I'm worried about it, you know, just because uh, coming from the perspective of just the fact that I, I love the content that I make and I, I truly love my audience so much, especially my Snapchat people. I think if I lost my Snapchat people, I would actually go insane. I don't even Google things anymore. Like if I ever have a question, I post on my Snapchat, like, do you guys know what plant this is? Do you guys know what this is? And I get like oh, wow. hundreds of responses and they're right. Like they're really smart. They know everything. So, so yeah. Yeah. It sounds like you don't even need chat GPT in that case. <laughs> you just have your audience on Snap. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, to kind of wrap things up, like, you obviously are doing a lot on the platforms, but you know, like we mentioned, you did the scripted audio show Royals of Malibu. What's next for you? Like, what are the areas you're looking to to get into or really build out when it comes to like the business of Alyssa McKay this year? Yeah, so we have a few things. I am um, shooting a film in May. 
Um, so a lot of stuff on the acting front, um, that's like my end goal. And my, my biggest passion in life is, is acting, which I incorporate a lot in my, in my short form content already. Um, but in addition to that, I'm the co-founder of a streetwear, uh, company, fashion company called Beyond Lost. Um, and we're in like the top 1% on Shopify globally. Um, and a lot of that is, from Snapchat, you know, like we, I'm, I'm a designer for the brand and a co-founder and, and we, we design. And I, I ask my snap people like, do you like this colorway or do you like this colorway? And I incorporate them into the designing process. Um, and so they're kind of like a part of the brand as well. And it's very, very special to me and, and them. And so th- those are kind of the two things is, is the acting and the, in the fashion aspect of the Alyssa McKay brand. I mean, both of those seem like a lot in addition to like everything you're doing on the platform. So, Alyssa, you're obviously very busy. You got a lot going on. So thanks for taking some time out to come talk with me. Yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And thank you for listening to the Digiday podcast. Please don't forget to share this episode with someone who you think would enjoy it. You can even rate us on Apple Podcasts if you like. And we'll be back next week with another episode.